Welcome to this podcast by City Point Church, Redcliffe. We are so happy you could join us and pray that the following message will encourage and empower you. But um, we're about to open up the scripture, but before we get into the key passage for tonight, um, I actually want to pull from a scripture that Pastor Carolina shared this morning, and it's in uh, Acts 10, 34, and it says this, it said, Peter fairly exploded. I've never used that phrase before in my life. (laughs) What does it mean to fairly explode? It's Peter, true. (laughs) Who knows what's going to happen? Hold your ears. No. Um, with, with his good news. <laughs> Sorry, church jokes. Uh, <laughs> oh, gosh. Peter fairly exploded with his good news. It's God's own truth. Nothing could be plainer. God plays no favorites. It makes no difference who you are or where you're from. If you want God, and are ready to do as he says, the door is open. I love that last phrase, the door is open. Gives a sense of anticipation, doesn't it? A sense of permission's been given, authority's been given, it's now our move. And it's this this premise of if you want God, and there's a sense of you only have as much God and only see as much change in your life as you open up to him. We, uh, we use the example in, um, in, in youth of this sort of this renovation of the heart, and God now owns our property, but you have to give him permission to actually renovate each room. And so you have to open up each room and get rid of some stuff because you're all hoarders. Um, <laughs> and <laughs> and um, allow yourselves to actually say, God, I actually trust you with more than my salvation. I trust you with my whole life. But... Um, I just like that premise, and I think it speaks into a a design of humanity, and yes, we'll get into it more specifically just about as followers of Christ, but I think as as created in the image of God, we have built into our operating system this this idea, and our our movement called INC has, has bundled it together into the statement, we are born for more. And there's this sense of in our DNA, we are, we are just by the fact that we are humans made in the image of God, there's this, this sense of, I got to be a part of something bigger than myself. And there's, there's this sense of, there's, there's people around me, there's, when God came and he, he created mankind, he said, it's very good. He didn't just leave it there. He said, he blessed them. Um, because we need God's blessing to do what he's asked us to do. He blessed him, and then he said, go and multiply and take dominion of the land. There's actually a purpose integrated into our DNA. And uh, if you're a follower of Christ in this place, we have now actually come into that in a fuller way than ever, uh, because we are now following the, the image of God. We've seen him walk, and he is more than just this distant son of God as a, a great sort of, oh, that was a nice story. He's actually our example. And so as we see him walk and we see him captivated by this idea of born from war, this heaven come down, heaven come down, and this linking and removing the dividing line, something called the veil between heaven and earth and this reality, it's just, I, we're born for more. There's something in our eternity, something in our spirit, it's just, there's just dissatisfied with normal. And faith, love, hope, seasons, always about stepping out of normal, always stepping out of comfort. Um, like our statement, faith dares to believe. Really, it's a really bad idea to dare to believe for what you've already got. 
It's like, I dare to believe that I want an iPad. Uh, it's, it's not a great vision. Um, it, we have to believe for things we don't have and things we want to see. And there's, there's a kingdom out there. There's people out there who are calling out for the presence and power of God. And no matter what task or career or study or whatever you find yourself in, first and foremost, we're just following Jesus and bringing Him. And um, I've been in different careers, I've been in different jobs, but you know what, as long as I've got Jesus, we're fine, eh? And, um, but we are about to read a scripture, and this is, this is a very meaningful scripture to me. Um, well, all scripture should be, but you know, we have our favorites. Uh, <laughs> but um, this is a passage of, script, passage of scripture, um, passage of scripture from Joshua 1, 1 to 9. And um, we're actually going to pull it apart uh, before we get into it, I'll just say that this has just been an absolute encouragement. I've spent many hours praying and leaning into the Scripture. It really just anchored into Amanda and our, my heart over the last sort of four or five years. And um, we, uh, if you don't know, we are the youth pastors here, and it's just an absolute privilege to, to lead the youth here. Um, and uh, the story of how we actually became the youth pastors is we, we got married, which is always a good move. And um, after that, two weeks after, we got a, a text message from Pastor Sam and Carolina saying, hey, would you like to catch up for dinner? Now, one of two things was about to happen. Um, either we were about to be asked to do something, <laughs> or they were just like, congratulations, dinner. And this is, what, mid-September, and we would be asked to be youth pastors at that dinner. And we said yes, because we didn't know what we were doing, but we felt to say no was just the wrong answer. <laughs> Sometimes you just need to say yes and work it out later. And um, in, in that sort of, that waiting period before anyone else knew, September through to what, January? Um, <laughs> we were just like, we're unqualified. Uh, <laughs> what do we do now? Like, how on earth are we going to do anything like this? It's like, I, I, I'm not sure. I'm this is very unusual for me to be doing this. I'm not a natural public speaker. I'm, usually, I'm much more comfortable um, probably in the dish room, cleaning up dishes so you never see me. Um, and so it's very unnatural in order to do this for me, but it's very spiritually natural. Um, and so actually stepping into that and understanding what God's got for there. Um, but God led us to this passage in Joshua 1, 1 to 9. And um, just to give you a, a quick snapshot, this scripture is stands on a very critical point within the history of a nation um, as they stand on the precipice of potentially moving into the hope and promise of what God said. Um, and it comes down to a commissioning of one man. And uh, isn't that truth? <laughs> it takes one person to change things. And so um, we see in Deuteronomy, um, it's in Deuteronomy, it's not on the screen, but Deuteronomy 31, we see this man named Joshua, who's been serving this guy named Moses for a long years. He was up on the mount um, when the stones were given. He's this secret guy in the background. And Exodus 33, we discover he has an absolute power and a passion for the presence of God as he remains at the tent while Moses departs. And, and we get glimpses of Joshua. He's a warrior. And now it's his moment. Now he is discovering this, this moment in history where now it's his turn. And there's this preparation leading up to it because sometimes you have to operate in servants and we're always actually serving someone else's vision. It's never our own vision, but we're always serving someone's vision. And but maybe at one point in the future, there'll be a moment where God asks you, it's time. 
It's time to step out. There's a, a moment, there's maybe a decision you need to do, maybe something uncomfortable, um, and um, to step out. And for us, as, as Christ followers, as individuals born with the DNA of Jesus and DNA of God in the image of God, built into this, this born for more DNA, we actually get many encouragements from this passage of Scripture, fundamental truths that we can actually anchor ourselves in as we, in our humanity, actually get to do something powerful for God. What a great deal. <laughs> what a great deal. And um, so we're going to open the scripture here in Joshua 1, verse 1. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aide says, Moses, my servant is dead. Very conclusive. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross over the river Jordan into the land I am about to give to you, the, or give to them, the Israelites. I will give you every place where you set your foot, as I promised Moses. Your territory will extend from the desert to the um, desert uh, to Lebanon, and from the great river, the Euphrates, all the Hittite country to the Mediterranean Sea in the west. No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you, nor will I forsake you. So be strong and courageous, because you will lead the people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave to you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be actually successful wherever you go, where you're setting your foot. Keep this book of law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night and day and night so that you may be careful to do everything in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Yeah, you can clap. I think in this essence of we are born for more, there's a simple truth that I want to deliver tonight. And as we grasp the fact of our humanity and the, grasp the fact that God has chosen empty vessels, clay vessels, as Paul says it, to house something of such great power and purity and transformation, this simple truth arises. Simple obedience has powerful consequences. Simple obedience has powerful consequences. So, what I want to do is, in the spirit of good exegesis, <laughs> I've gone through and I've pulled some fundamental truths. I'm not going to talk about necessarily just one thing. We're actually just going to pull out some fundamental truths that we see from the Scripture um, in and around to encourage us around what it means and grounding us as God is grounding uh, Joshua in this moment, stepping into this new thing. What? <laughs> How do we do this? And so the first fundamental truth I have for you tonight is God has the authority and He chooses you. God has the authority and He chooses you. In this start of this scripture, it says, Moses, my servant, is dead, therefore you go. And um, this scripture also, for me, has undeniable links to a passage in Matthew, Matthew 28, 9, 18 to 20, what we call the Great Commission, because they're bookended by the same statements. 
Um, th in this passage, we see the, the first bookmark being, Moses, my servant, is dead, therefore you go. Um, in, in Matthew 28, 18, we see this other bookend, and it is our bookend. And it is the bookend that says, uh, Jesus speaking, all authority on heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, you go. So, in Joshua, we see that it took the end of an era in Moses because he disobeyed so he wouldn't see the promised land, so he had to die for people to walk into their promise. And something within us needs to die before we can walk into our promise um, and actually step into that. Um, but we don't do it by ourselves now. We do it because Jesus died and was resurrected, and we're not trying to operate in our own authority or in our own capacity. But the authority we're operating in is Jesus's. So it says, all authority on heaven and on earth has been given to me, therefore you go. And um, the other bookend is, I will be with you even until the end of the age. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. Um, but we'll get into that in just a second. But authority is a big deal. Um, there's who knows the certain like church words that we throw around pretty often that outside of the church don't mean a lot. Like I've never said uh, "bless you, brother" to a client on the phone. <laughs> Bless your website. Um, <laughs> nothing like that. I, we so we use certain language and we pull it from scripture. But I think the word anointing and authority is probably something a little weird. Um, because we think of authority as probably like the, the domineering sort of sense. And, um, uh, but I want to focus in on the word anointing because I think it has less connotations for us. Um, and, and the word anointing we see in Scripture is given to certain moments and certain people in order to operate in a function. Now, we see that uh, um, Aaron, who became the, the priest of God, who representing and all that sort of stuff, he was anointed priest. It's, um, he was anointed priest. We see uh, David was anointed as a teenager to become king as a 30-year-old. So he was anointed as, I think it was like 14, 15, 16, and he waited uh, 15 to 20 years in order to become king, and we see that, and he was anointed. And so what anointing is, is if I come over here and anoint Jared, I give him authority to do something. Now, I think our most probably uh, relevant illustration, and you may have heard this one before, is when a policeman is anointed with the authority of a badge. And so they have been given permission by the governing authorities to do something. Now, I'm not sure if, I hope you will, but if I jump out in front of your car on the highway, please stop. But, uh, <laughs> but if, if you're going along Elizabeth Ave slash Snook Street, because that's confusing, um, I'm sorry if you've ever tried to find this place <laughs> in a GPS. Um, it used to be way harder. I think Google Maps is updated. Uh, but if I, if I come out onto the road and I put my hand out and you stop, it's probably just because of goodwill and your desire probably not to hit me. Appreciate that. But when a policeman, but you're going to be asking, why is this guy in front of me sort of thing? Why, what is, what's up? Is, is he trying to steal my car? Um, or something of an ulterior motive. Maybe I'm stopping because there's an accident ahead. That's probably a more positive thing. Um, but if a policeman comes and do it, you actually question it less, right? If a, a policeman comes and says, stop, there's a, an authority given there that their words just hold more weight because they've been given authority by the governing authorities. They have permission, 
essentially. So anointing is permission to operate in the authority of someone else, someone who's superior. We see a really good example of this in Scripture in Matthew 8, 8, uh, 8 verses 8 in the story of the centurion man. And we see him coming to Jesus and he says this narrative of, uh, you don't have to come to my house in order to heal my servant. Because I understand the way authority works. I understand because I'm under authority. And if I tell my servant to go, he goes, and to come, he comes. Why? Because I, as a centurion, are under Roman authority. And so if they don't do what I say, they have to answer to Caesar. And so in this passage, we understand that all authority on heaven and earth has been given to Jesus. He has been given the ultimate governing authorities, the ones of heaven, the one of creation, has been given him authority. Therefore, he chooses you to go and do his bidding. As that scripture in Acts 10.34 says, it's like, there are no favorites. So whether you think you're self-qualified, whether you think you're self-disqualified, whether you think you're all that or whether you think you're none of that, whether you've had a history, whether there's been things done to you, done by you, doesn't matter. The only thing that God sees is saved, following me, I'm in love with him. There's no... There's no disqualifier here. And so I think we can get wrapped up with skills, can't we, and developing skills and start. I love what Josh Smith said last week. We need to stop evaluating kingdom things from worldly perspectives. I'm like, yeah, smack that, yeah. <laughs> and even just the word like leadership or influence, things we hear all the time. I, I work in business and that sort of stuff. And hearing these terms, these are defined by the business world. And let's stop inheriting them into the Christian world, we need to, it should be the other way around because all authority on heaven and earth has been given. We should be the most prophetic workers. We should be uh, the most innovative. We should be the hardest working. We should be the family leaders. We should be seeing things happen because we don't operate under our own authority. And if we say go and it doesn't go, they have to answer to the ultimate authority. It's not my problem. And so it is understanding that we operate under the authority of God and He chooses you to be that messenger. And I think this is, have you, have you noticed that we say in the name of Jesus when we pray? This is not a magical abracadabra tagline <laughs> that makes our prayers work. In the name of Jesus is actually saying in permission by the authority of Jesus that this is happening. And that's the whole idea when, like, when the disciples came back to Jesus and he said, even the demons flee from us in your name. They didn't just walk around saying, in the name of Jesus. I, no, they operated their being in underneath his authority and were obedient. And there's this idea that obedience actually brings us into uh, submission to his authority. Therefore, we operate under his authority. And this actually, this is like a, a dovetail, one and two are like one and 1.1. 1. 1. Um, because my second truth that we see here is when God sends, he sends away. When God sends, he sends away. And in verse five it's of that passage, it says, no one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. I was with Moses, so I will be with you. And I will never leave you, nor will I forsake you. I will never leave you, nor will I forsake you. Another way of saying this is God's will, God's bill. It's more concise. <laughs> but it's, it's almost counterintuitive, right? Because it almost seems arrogant. 
Um, I, I remember hearing a pastor, he came down for a young adult society conference uh, a few years back in his master class. He was talking and he was talking as, a, as he was planting his church. Um, he, was, he heard a clear word from God to go and plant this church. And so he did, which is good. Um, but whenever, whenever anything ever came up in opposition to the word of God, he didn't actually feel the weight of making it happen. What he would do is he would go into his private prayer, he would get on his knees, and he would say, God, you've got a problem. Your church needs money. God, you've got a problem. It might be me. No. (laughs) But there's this essence of if I'm sent and walking in obedience, then I don't need to actually have all the answers. I just need to know the guy who does. People have asked us, um, like, because you're young, what are you going to do when you grow up? We've got a lot of grade 12s graduating this year and talking about that question and all this sort of stuff. And what are you going to do when you grow up? Or what are you going to do in your career? Um, As if any of us know. I love how we pin that question on grade 12s, and, um, and the 40-year-old who's pinning the question has changed career three times. Um, <laughs> side note, but when people have asked me that question, I'm like, I don't actually have a really clear path. I just want to follow Jesus, and we'll work it out. <laughs> I'm a really simple fella. Um, I love Jesus, I love my wife, and I work hard. Like, that's really it. Um, and that's, like, that's why we say simple obedience. It's not about an equation. It's not how many times you lift or don't lift your hand during worship or whether you clap in time or not, because we know. <laughs> God bless in-ears. <laughs> but it doesn't matter doesn't matter if you get up at 5.30 or 6.30 uh, to pray or how long you pray. Did you pray? Did you spend time with Him? It's not an equation. It's just simple obedience. Just saying, God, I want to be with you. Let Come and mesmerize me. Come and, come and open my mind to more. Let me, and prayer is all it is is communion. I think it's more than communication because communication, I think we can now relate to like a phone call or something like that. But communion, there's like, there's, there's body language, there's, there's this impartation involved in it. And prayer for me is impartation, is this moment of, yes, I'm going to bring my needs. Yes, I'm going to spend some time asking some things. But prayer is also a time for listening and being and being imparted to by the Spirit of God. And in that moment, in that point of obedience, we say, God, what are you doing? What, are you, what have you got for me? Um, now, I, I am not going to say that I wake up every morning and I have a clear to-do list written to me by God for my day. But I have a tone of which I'm going to operate in, of faithfulness, of fullness, of joy, um, and it's like, I don't work in a, a Christian context. So my job is, my ministry is, whether it's called a youth pastor at this moment, uh, as a preacher right now, as a husband all the time, as a father in the future, as a, that is not an announcement. <laughs> uh, 
or a worker or a website designer or a marketer or a leader or a friend, I'm always on the same mission. I'm just trying to follow Jesus and bring him. I'm built for more. It's in my DNA. If I'm just simply obedient to him, Paul says that we dispense the fragrance of Christ wherever we go. What do you smell like? No. <laughs> if we start it in our own strength, we're going to feel the pressures to sustain it and fight for it, and we're going to feel stressed. God calls us to rest. It says, come to me, all who are weary and burdened, because my, my burden is light. I'm going to walk with you. I'm going to carry it. And it's this, how does someone do something effectively in rest? It's like, it seems counterintuitive, but when you're obedient to God, you're operating under His authority. Therefore, it's His responsibility to make it happen. It is His responsibility to make it happen. Um, and as I said, this is not a self-confidence. This is not an arrogance. Um, in fact, it's quite the opposite of self-confidence because I'm very well aware that I can't do it. <laughs> so what do I have to be proud about if I know I'm not the one doing um, it? And I think I love what Pastor Carolina says, and it's like our world's obsession with self-reflection or self-actualization or things like this is you've got to look to your true self or your inner self. I don't want to look there. <laughs> it's very clear from Scripture and even just personal experience that I need a Savior. I need a Savior. I need someone to come and bring me out of my mess and into His glorious goodness. And so this is something... This is something I love, Pastor Mark Ramsey, with his powerful one-liners. Um, something he calls Godfidence, because um, <laughs> it is God-confidence. It is a, a, a peace and a security and a rest that God's got me. God's got it. And even if the world is falling around me, God's got it. I have a, I have a right to be joyous. I have a right to be filled with happiness. I have a right to be filled with peace. I'm a son of the living God. I'm a daughter of God. It is my birthright. I won't settle for anything less. And so it's not an arrogance. I'm just, I'm just cashing in what he's already given me. And so simple obedience has powerful consequences. My third thought is obedience is incremental. Now in the scripture in Joshua, what I think should have happened is God should have given Joshua a very clear strategic game plan. Now, here's what's going to happen. You're going to go to Jericho. Hey, first step, let's cross the river. We're going to cross the river, and you're going to send the ark out. As soon as the guy's feet touches the water, the water's going to stop, and you're going to cross. There's going to be some stones there. Pick them up. Take them to the other side, because that's going to be a memorial. Then you're going to camp. There's going to be some cutting stuff that goes on. Ignore that right now, and we're going to move into Jericho. Now, if you know, you know. <laughs> uh, maybe they wouldn't have done it if, <laughs> if, if got to read the Bible. Yeah, I'm not. Gonna <laughs> and then you're gonna get to Jericho. Don't do anything. Send some spies in. There's gonna be this girl named Rahab. She's gonna be awesome. She's gonna be really incremental. Save her family. Um, great things. Walk around some stuff. Things are gonna fall. Go in. Like this is step one. Like, this is what I would have been expecting from God, right? Like, please, please, um, I'm about to lead, lead two million people into a place where everyone wants to kill me. Give me something. <laughs> but rather, he doesn't actually give him a strategic game plan. He actually tells him who he is, what he's doing, and who he is, uh, who he's backed by. 
And he says, he doesn't even say, wait, I'm going to tell you. He just leaves it completely silent. Don't you love that? (laughs) Don't you love the moments with God where he leaves you in the complete dark? And you're like, well, I guess I'll be obedient to what you told me last time until you tell me something else. (laughs) Uh, I remember hearing from... uh, uh, Jason Myhill, I think it was, and it was saying, God speaks like a, a sat-nav sometimes, and he only tells you when you need to turn. Until that, trust that you're still on the right highway. And, um, and um, so we see that as Joshua has commanded these things, it's as he actually walks in what God said, that how is actually brought to light. Um, not until he gets to Jericho is he told to walk around it once a day for six days, and then on the seventh day, do it seven times, and then do it all quietly and silently, and then you're going to shout. Now, one, that makes no sense at all, but if God says it, okay, I'll do it. Um, But He doesn't tell them that when He's over the river. Obedience is actually an incremental thing. So, I'm not sure how many job applications you've made, but keep making them. I'm not sure how many things or how many questions have had around what you should study or what you shouldn't study. Just keep following Jesus, and then it'll come. I've got, I've, I've started three degrees. Started. <laughs> but I do not regret the fact that I didn't finish one of them out of two, because I needed to take that step of obedience in order to understand that in six months, God is actually going to redirect me. Yes, I've got a hex deck courtesy of it, but oh well. God said, therefore go. And he's, if, if I had to study engineering for six months and do that, then I, God did something in me in those six months that I needed in order to step into the next 12 months or the next two years. I, need, I went back to another, I, I, I was working in a particular industry, I left that industry and then I actually had to return to it because I felt God actually just, He just opened the door. He's like, I literally went in for a coffee and walked out with a job. That's nice. And, but I knew a certain time that that job would come to an end, but I was just faithful. I was believing for a marketing job for 12 months. 12 months. And I'm not sure if you've made, made redundant courtesy of the COVID redundancies or something like that, but God is perfectly timed. Perfectly timed. And due to that, we see... Um, people's, uh, someone's life transformed. And I needed that 12 months to actually get an unpaid apprenticeship in order to build the skills to actually get the job that God had for me. And while I was looking for the job, I was scared I'd have to travel into the city every day, but he had a job prepared for me 10 minutes from home so I could travel to youth on a Friday afternoon without getting to 7 p.m. Big sentence. Big sentence, sorry. But there's this sense that you don't have to know everything. You just have to know Jesus. And as you're just walking and you're listening, we'll talk about listening in a second, but as you're walking and you're listening and you say, I'm just being faithful with what you've called me to do before, then God is big enough to put a big fat door in your face in order to redirect you. If we see in Genesis that He spoke the world in creation, can you trust Him with your life? Can you trust Him to direct you? And he can put a big fat red light in your life and you go, okay, well, this is now a redirection. This is an I missed opportunity. 
Um, this is actually God redirecting me towards something you and so God's got something and he's going to move powerfully through it and so that is that the last one is the need for active listening it's really hard to be obedient to a voice that you can't hear really hard to be obedient to a voice that you can't hear and this this part for me is both an everyday active thing in and around listening, spending silence and solitude with God and allowing Him to, as we said, impart into you. But this is the very reason that God tells, spends two whole verses out of like nine verses. That's a high percentage right there. It's telling David, I've given you a law. I've given you a command. Get it in you. And I don't want you to just to remember it every now and again. I don't want you to let it depart from your lips or stop meditating on it day and day and day and day and night and night and night and night. There's this sense that this, you need this in order to permeate through your being in order to understand what I'm saying to you. Because I see God in this passage very clearly targeting two things that can uh, fight against our obedience. And that is uh, discouragement and distraction. That's why he says like three times in this passage, be strong and courageous. Be strong and very courageous. In Deuteronomy 31, we, say, we see that um, Moses tells him the exact same line, be strong and very courageous. And then when Joshua finishes the prayer, the people of Israel come to him and say, okay, well, you're the anointed one and we know God's anointed you. Therefore, we're going to submit under your leadership. And what we need for you to do is be obedient. And so be strong and courageous. And so there's this strong and courageous, and unless they all have a stutter, God's trying to communicate something. <laughs> and the other one is distraction. Distraction. Discouragement will come, opposition will come, persecution will come, distraction will come. And I think dis distraction comes from either you've been on this road before and you just haven't seen it come to fruition yet, so you're getting discouraged. Maybe it is the job loss. Maybe it is relational challenges. Maybe it is fill in the blank. But after the first month, you're filled with faith to see the God change in that moment. But how are you after the 10th month? It's easy to get discouraged. But he, God knows that discouragement will rob you from your opportunity. And he's saying, you can't afford to be discouraged. You can't afford to be distracted by your experience you need a realignment. So distraction is the enemy of purpose, but right focus reminds us of who's in charge. So by meditating on the word day and night, by practicing silence and solitude, by spending time listening and absorbing who he is, we are actively listening and saying, okay, God, you say. God, you say. What have you said? What are you saying right now? And I'll just obey that. And we're giving permission for God to speak and God to speak into who we are. I think one of the greatest things that Amanda and I and the team are so focused on is biblical literacy. Biblical illiteracy does more damage to the kingdom than any threat, any persecution or anything else has ever hit history. Because imagine a people trying to be in relationship with someone who doesn't speak. Like it doesn't, or it doesn't, they don't know the words. Trying to go and try and do marriage without speaking to your, your, your wife or your husband, it's, it's not possible. 
And so you're naturally going to grow distant. So if, if the devil can rob the young people and a generation of everything, he's going to rob them of biblical literacy. And so we need to understand, and we understand the seriousness of this moment, understand that his book is a book of love. It is a book of hope. It is a book of resurrection, and it's a book of transformation. So the more I get into it, the more I understand who he is, the more I understand he is in control, the more I understand he's in authority, the more I understand that if he sends me, he sends away, the more I understand that even if I don't see it yet, he is still moving powerfully in my world. It is a way that I minister to my own soul and say, take courage, be of good strength because God's got you. Be obedient and powerful things will come to fruition. And with, a rea- with our culture, with a pandemic on truth, where truth is defined by what is most popular and anything that is in disalignment to that is discrimination, man, we need to know one central point of truth. Because truth by nature is ex- um, exclusive. By nature, there's only one truth. There's no relative truth. There's no personal truth. There's only one truth. And I'm going to go to the designer for that. I'm not even going to trust my own mind sometimes if it disagrees with the will of God and the word of God. I'm going to push in and I'm going to lean into him. So we need an anchor, a reference point. And God's so serious about this that he says, meditate on it. Meditate on it day and day and day and nights and nights and night. Meditate means to murmur, to, to get it into your very spirit, to get it into your very mind. Like sealing it, saying, I can't afford that. I can't afford offense. I can't afford to be offended at church anymore for someone, someone else did to me. I've got a mission. I, need a, I have a father I, and I, he's calling me. I'm born for more. It's in my very being. I can't let it distract me anymore, the discouragement. I can't let the words of my colleague dig deep or the words of a friend take root in my heart. I need to hold fast to the Word of God because there's too much at stake. There's my own life and there's the lives of other people. So what I want us to do as we, as we wrap up tonight is I want us to, to pray that we would have strength and courage to do what God has called us to do. Thank you for listening. If you made a decision to follow Jesus, congratulations. This is the beginning of a life-changing journey. We encourage you to tell someone about your decision and pray and read the Bible every day. We also recommend attending a church in your local area. We have many City Point Church services across Brisbane and the world this Sunday. You can find out more about our service times and locations at citypointchurch.com. We are so excited to see you there.